I'm Maureen, a former kindergarten teacher turned mom on the road, and this is Asha. You're listening to Readers on the Road. Chowder rules. Chowder rules. The true story of an epic food fight by Anna Crowley Redding and illustrated by Vita Lane. Cleveland Sleeper Jr. could not wait to dive into his bowl of clam chowder. Steamy, creamy, dreamy clam chowder. With just one warm, wafting whiff, Cleveland felt like a little boy again, sitting in his mother's kitchen. He cherished the precious tradition found in every serving, every slurp, every sniff. And he wasn't alone. Treasuring clam chowder was as serious as rooting for the Red Sox. Far more than just a serving of chowder, it was the taste of comfort. In fact, it was the entire state of Maine in a single bite. Sea clams, potatoes, and salt pork, all swimming in a milky broth. Perfection. Which is why some rotten rumor from New York City had Cleveland seeing red. And the more he thought about it, the more steamed he got. Apparently, the fancy and fashionable people of the Big Apple thought it oh so oh la la to plunk, and this is hard to say, tomatoes into their chowder pots. Even worse... They were calling this red liquid Manhattan clam chowder. Cleveland knew exactly what he'd call it, vegetable soup. Ugh, it's pollution, it's poison, it's a crime against cookery. Then he began to smile. A crime, hmm, yes, indeed. It should be a crime, vile and acidic, just like the tomato. As a lawmaker for the state of Maine, Cleveland was just the man to make it an official crime. He could not get himself to the state house fast enough. After all, any man worth his weight in salt, cream, clams, and potatoes could not let this go on. Tapping away at his typewriter, Cleveland laid it out word for word. Anyone caught poisoning the chowder cauldron with tomatoes will be forced to dig a barrel of clams at high tide. The perfect punishment, because it's absolutely impossible. Cleveland called a press conference. He read the proposed bill out loud to a crowd of reporters. No taste-tainting tomato would ever tarnish clam chowder in the state of Maine. Ever. The next day, when newspapers hit doorsteps from Cleveland's house clear to California, the headlines screamed, Clam chowder purist! Chowder of Maine in peril! Sleeper sees red in soup! Clam chowder, no place for tomato! Before Cleveland could even file the bill, the entire country found itself in hot water. From town to town, neighbor to neighbor, and sometimes even under the same roof, people
people stewed over the question, tomato or no tomato? Cleveland's phone rang off the hook. One of those calls was from Harry Tully, a famous Philadelphia restaurateur, a tomato lover with a big idea. Don't make a new law. Don't make tomato plunking a crime. Instead, Harry challenged Cleveland to a duel. With ladles in lieu of pistols and armed with their very own chefs, the two men would settle the matter fair and square with a good old-fashioned cook-off at Portland, Maine's finest hotel. In the weeks leading up to the big duel, the nationwide food fight only grew hotter. Cleveland whipped the matter into a frenzy. He campaigned for Maine's culinary mascot, giving interviews and even debating superstar New York Yankees outfielder and tomato sympathizer Joe DiMaggio live on the radio. Tickets to the cook-off sold like hotcakes. Finally, the appointed hour arrived. 200 people sat in the audience to see the contest in person. Many more sat by their radios at home, waiting to hear the live broadcast. Cleveland and his chef entered the stage to a blinding burst of flashbulbs and a rolling newsreel camera. Standing over their steaming cauldrons, adding a dash of this, a dash of that, and a tomato, or not. Each team whisked, stirred, and salted. On the judges' panel were five famous food buffs and VIPs, including Maine Governor Louis O. Barrows and Ruth Wakefield, the woman who invented the chocolate chip cookie. They sniffed, swished, savored, and swallowed. Cleveland waited. Tomato or no tomato, New England or Manhattan, a hush fell over the crowd. The judges made their decision. And the winner? New England clam chowder! Cleveland savored the satisfaction. He'd saved the precious main tradition. Steamy, creamy, dreamy perfection. Score squarely settled. No laws required, just second helpings. The end. Was Cleveland Sleeper serious? When Cleveland Sleeper proposed this bill in 1939, he said, Real Maine Chowder is responsible for a major portion of the $100 million that tourists spend in this state each year. He went on to explain his fear that if you change the chowder, tourists won't have a reason to come to Maine. But in order to make a bill a law, it has to go through a lengthy process in both Maine's House of Representatives and Senate, which includes a first reading, second reading, engrossment, and enactment. Both the House and the Senate must vote on a bill, and then send it to the governor's desk to be signed into law. Sleeper's proposed bill never made it that far. To Sleeper, the chowder cook-off seemed a better way to settle the problem. Who knows what would have happened if New England clam chowder didn't win? 
1939 newspaper article on the controversy said that the state of Maine, quote, loves publicity as a wolf loves meat. And yet the same reporter admitted that the men's, quote, better natures were truly involved, that they knew what they learned at their mother's knee, that to put tomatoes in a clam chowder is to commit a crime against nature. The state of Iowa did not find any of this remotely funny. The newspaper editor ran an editorial slamming Maine's proposed law, saying that the government did not belong in the kitchen. It's worth noting that Iowa had a huge tomato industry at the time. Even today, if you ask around, the debate continues, and opinions are usually just as passionate, urgent, and energetic as Cleveland sleepers. <laughs>